Uh, any comments, Laura? Uh, you are in charge of on-farm research. You want to make any comments about that? What what you do? What you all get involved in? Yeah, I think there's been a lot of really great presentations, just showing the the breadth of topics and different ways that people are involved in on-farm research. So a lot of a lot of great opportunities. Um, I think it's really been highlighted already in the presentations here, but a lot of uh, educators and specialists willing to work with farmers to help them um, conduct on-farm research. And that can look quite different depending on what everyone's questions are, or what might be relevant for their operation. But I think that's really the strength of this is that we're able to, to customize and really work one-on-one -on -one to answer questions and, and get really good, solid uh, data-driven information. So. Um, hopefully we get some good questions here, but I think uh, we've had a lot of uh, a really great overview of the value of on-farm research here. Yeah, just want to put a plug in for Laura. Uh, she really understands the technology, and I've been involved in some on-farm research studies here, and, and I can turn on a yield monitor, and that's about it. So appreciate Laura being able to, to take the files and extracting the data and running the analytics on that. And I know Joe can do that as well. Uh, he's pretty technology savvy too. So Joe, any comments from you? Oh, no, nothing much to add. Just, uh, you know, this is, we're, we're seeing a lot of the companies that, that work in the data space that are trying to make these kind of tools easier for folks to use. And um, so my opinion is this is kind of the, the way we're, we can teach people to fish and, and, start answering some of these questions on their own and it's just going to become more and more uh, prevalent in the tools available to do this in the future. So the sooner folks can get their feet wet in there and kind of start asking some questions and stuff, stuff like that, I think the better. So it's good stuff. Okay. Thank you. Ron, I, you had a couple producers on there, Brandon and David. Uh, I, I know they're pretty positive. Other producers you've worked with in the Adams County area? Yeah, I have a um, couple, three people that I'm working with in Adams. Um, we're looking at some soybean rate studies. Um, we're looking at um, uh, nitrogen application in, in soybeans. And interesting, you know, I, I've done work with uh, a number of farmers over the years on this. I had one farmer that was pretty interested and we tried some different products and he kind of quit because he's going, I'm so disappointed that I keep getting these negative results. I'm going, well, negative results are really good because without those results, you would have done this treatment and may not have known whether it made a difference for you or not. And um, so uh, I keep, keep trying to encourage some people to keep working on these um, techniques. And I, I really, as I was watching, I, I really appreciated uh, the, uh, some of the data that, that Dr. Luck showed. Um, with the variability in the fields and what would, why, why we all want the replication and how, you know, it's really not that hard, but it is so important to do um, because if you don't have the replication or randomization, you may get some results that you didn't expect or didn't really show you the real picture. So just some comments that I had there. Great. Thanks, Ron. Sarah, you were involved in a couple of those videos. Yeah, um, I've really enjoyed working with producers across the area as well as Laura and the rest of the on-farm research network team and um, Dr. Luck and uh, it's it's been good. Um, this year's been a very busy year 
and uh, we've got several different studies throughout our area. Um, Don Beatty is actually on the call today, uh, so really appreciate his um, input and being willing to do the video and everything. Um, but yeah, it's been fun to do variable rate seedings and population studies and getting to work with uh, producers all across the region. It's, it's been fascinating to see the questions that they have. Great. You mentioned Don. Don, if you can hear us, you can turn your microphone on and uh, camera on and we can see it and see if you have any additional comments you'd like to make. Okay, while he's working on that, Todd, any comments? You had quite a couple different videos there, a couple different demonstrations about nitrogen and trying to keep nitrogen in the soil where we apply it so it doesn't uh, leave the field either surface or uh, end up in the groundwater. Yeah, and I really think our team is working together on this nitrogen cycle. You know, how can we help, help keep um, the environmental uh, perspective there so that we are doing the best we can uh, also trying to keep uh, uh, people addressed about the, the cost, you know, that you, and I really appreciated our first speaker this morning kind of talking about there's technology we can use that we have to be aware that it's got to pay. And that's, I think, that the system that we're trying to work with is we have a lot of livestock in our state. We have a lot of uh, manure that we can use. How can we best place it so that's giving us the best, best return that way? I guess the when I talk to producers about doing on-farm research, they're like, well, I don't have the time for that. You know, once I get planting and during the season, I'm really busy. So Laura, Joe, could you respond to that? How treatments and prescriptions could be set up ahead of time to reduce how much time it takes once they get in the field with the planter or other applicators? Yeah, I can comment. I think uh, what Joe had shared really highlights it really well how um, some of the technology that we have available can really help um, streamline the process, especially during the, the critical, uh, you know, rush times of planting and harvest. Um, so those prescriptions that he showed, um, you know, that's, that's prepared in advance and loaded into the monitor. And then when planting time rolls around, things um, hopefully happen pretty seamlessly and kind of as planting is occurring. So I'm not really taking any additional uh, time, especially in those cases where we have that technology, we're not having to stop and change settings or uh, make additional you know, adjustments on, uh, while we're planting. So things happen pretty seamlessly. And then of course, for, for most of our studies with yield monitoring technology that can really um, speed up the process. We're not having to necessarily stop and use a way wagon and kind of slow down the harvest process. Um, things can usually happen pretty pretty much on the go. So I think that really can be helpful um, just alleviating any um, additional time constraints during those already really busy times of planting and harvest. Um, so you know I think the value of the information is what you've got to kind of weigh against some additional time requirements and what that information is worth to you and your operation. Mm -hmm. It's been interesting to me to see how you can take those as planted files and match that up with the yield monitor at the end of the year and, and pull those yields out of the field uh, again without a lot of a time for the producer to do that. 
and then be able to run the statistics on it, see if there truly is a difference. So, um, Ron, I know you've been involved for quite a few years. Maybe what's the most interesting study you've been involved with? Well, one of the ones that was most interesting is we did one um, applying compost tea to a field and huge applicator out there um, carrying the solution of um, composted uh, or water that had, had compost material in it and applying it out there. And um, yeah, this is one of them that uh, didn't really show the kind of results that the farmer had hoped for. But it was uh, it was a pretty interesting study to do that, and um, yeah, when when the um, the not the farmer but the uh, the uh, industry cooperator cooperator brought the the product, um, he brought it in a big grain in a big grain truck and blew out some tires on the way because it was so heavy. But um, yeah, it was a pretty interesting study. Okay, Sarah, same question for you. You've been involved for four or five, six years now, so. Um, I think in the time I've been in extension, um, honestly, I've really enjoyed working on the downforce uh, studies that we had video today. Um, it, that was my first time ever doing emergence counts. Um, so that was definitely interesting to see over time. And we got a frost in there too. And so that entire field, since both studies are set up in the same field, um, you know, just to see the differences in there. Um, but yeah, it's it's been really interesting, and I, you can see in my face that I had to take root digs last year on one study that was a biological study, and I learned a lot about root digs. I broke a shovel in the process, so, um, but yeah, it's been great. So Sarah, good comment there uh, about us coming out and collecting data, you know, maybe not expecting the farmer to do all of the data collection. We're, we're out there with them. Uh, collecting data and then getting getting it analyzed as well. So good comment there. Uh, Todd, uh, what's your been your favorite on-farm research study? Um, the wheat leach study has probably been my favorite because um, uh, I've had so much feedback from that of people that you know wanted to know well what would be the best timing for when they should pull their samples. So and it gave me a chance to visit with some feedlot people when I first was getting in the area here too. Okay. Uh, Laura, maybe just comment on a soybean seeding rate studies that have been doing, done over the years. I've done a couple of them out here in uh, Lincoln and uh, Keith County, but uh, a lot of those studies have been done over the years. Yeah, there have been, um, i trying to think maybe about 15 or 20 or more um, of those studies. Um, so a really nice data set that we've been able to bring all that data together then and kind of see what the trends are across the state. Um, and for everyone who's participated. Um, so a lot of the rates that people were testing ranged from around 90 or 100,000 up to around 180,000. Um, on those studies, in most cases, we were able to find that producers could um, use a seeding rate around that 110, 120, and not have any um, significant yield difference. And of course, reducing their seeding rate from maybe 160 or 180,000 down to that 110 or 120,000 uh, really can have a, an economic impact as well there. Um, so that's been pretty consistent results. Most of those studies were done on um, 30 inch row spacing, a lot of them in the central region. Um, uh, as Chuck mentioned, kind of 
expanded some of those, I think last year or the last two years into your region a little bit more. Um, Nathan Mueller and I worked on some in Eastern Nebraska in kind of the Norfolk and Fall City, or not Norfolk, Fremont, uh, Fremont and Fall City areas um, on 15 inch row spacing, trying to just take that, that same setup and see if it also um, would get similar results in a little different uh, management practice and also got very similar results. So um, across the board, really positive results and really consistent results on those studies. Great, thanks. That made me think of another question for you, Laura, uh, about partners with uh, on-farm research like Terry Avion providing imagery and things like that. Additional resources to producers, you know, when they participate with plots. Yeah, yeah. So in a lot of cases this last year, or last few years, we've been able to provide imagery. Um, Terra Avion would be an airplane imagery service, or sometimes we look at using satellite imagery um, through Planet Labs as well. Um, and those can be really helpful um, just in, in multiple ways, but one in just validating that things happened as we intended for them to happen, that the treatments got out and that we're not having some substantial issues, you know, um, a spot flooded out or, you know, some damage. Um, it's also been really helpful in seeing different treatment differences. So in something like the soybean studies, um, on some soybean row spacing studies, we could really see differences in row canopy closure on those, um, the impact of wheel traffic or wheel tracks um, from spraying in different row spacings of soybeans. Um, so some of those things really have showed up nicely in the aerial imagery. And of course, um, our nutrient studies as well can really uh, benefit from the imagery. So things like uh, nitrogen studies, um, we're able to uh, see treatment differences that may occur during the growing season um, that we uh, don't have to just wait until harvest and the yield data, we can see when that nitrogen deficiency or differences really started showing up and if those are specific to different areas of the field. So I guess one other example related to that, uh, in one case we had a study that was looking at all upfront nitrogen application and then partially um, a split application with a side dress. Um, and in that study, we were able to use the imagery to really tell that in one specific soil type, uh, that side dress application really benefited the grower, particularly in those areas. So really helpful to see, um, you know, across their operation, operation, then they can kind of start to know, these are the soils that are really gonna benefit more from having a side dress application. These are the ones that are, are losing more nitrogen potentially when I just do an upfront only application. Um, so that's been one kind of benefit and uh, advantage that we've had in doing some partnerships like with Terry Avion and happy to be able to provide that as kind of a, an incentive or a nice um, addition for the farmers who are participating as well. Great. Uh, just put a plug in for my area, I guess. A year ago, we did uh, some chelated iron starter fertilizer treatments on soybeans on uh, some of the valley areas here. And, and once you get south, you know, down closer to the Republican River, some... Uh, iron chlorosis issues with soybeans. So we did a study here, several, several of them. We actually had one uh, that showed a positive increase uh, in yield uh, that paid for the treatment. I uh, plan to do those again next year uh, with the crop rotation coming around. They'll be back onto those fields with soybeans again. So if you're interested in doing a study like that or, or any other studies, get a hold of one of us or your local extension office. They can let, let you know who your local crops educator is and uh, we can get something set up 
Uh, if you want to do it when you're thinking, you know, driving in the combine, harvesting and say, hey, I wonder what would happen if we do this. Give us a call. We'd, we'll call you back, you know, in November, December when things slow down for you a little bit and get things planned out. So any additional comments from the presenters or any anybody of the participants want to turn their mics on and ask a question? I think everybody's getting hungry. It's past lunchtime for me. So I think we'll close this, uh, uh, draw this to a close. Appreciate all of our participants uh, being with us today, all of our presenters in the On-Farm Research Network uh, session. Uh, we will be sending out a survey uh, probably next week. I'll get that sent out to an email to you. We ask you to fill that out. Let us know what you thought about the conference today. Uh, also, we will get all these videos posted on a, a Media Hub channel through IA and R Media, and we'll provide links for that as well. So if you wanna go back and watch one of the videos again, or maybe catch one of them in the other sessions you weren't able to watch, uh, you should be able to go to that agenda and click on those links and check it out. So. Uh, from that, thanks to our sponsors and donors uh, this year. We really appreciate them, and thanks for joining us today. Have a good day.